welcome everybody to another life-changing episode of Home Kid Insider. You've got me, Andrew O'Hara, here with my pal and the creator of Scamilton. It is Steven Robles. How you doing? Scamilton, uh, I'm good. Uh, life-changing, man. That's that's a high bar, man. I mean, I think our episodes You're not are pretty touch good. On the but... Scamilton thing, as such a as a musical theater person, I thought <sighs> yes. you would have been all over that. I mean, I saw all the news. I saw a couple of video clips. Uh, listeners, if you don't know, there was a church out somewhere that did Texas. a. It was in Texas. I should have I guessed. Think so. uh, yeah, it, it did a, I guess a religious version of Hamilton, the musical that Lin Manuel Miranda wrote. Huge musical, and they did a version of it. And then they basically were like, the whoever owns the Hamilton rights, I don't know what organization. They were like, Nah, you can't do that. <laughs> like you can't. Yeah, well, they adjust. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, there's, like, two issues there, three issues. One, they live-streamed a performance of it, which Disney owns streaming rights to Hamilton. Two, you can't even buy the production rights to do it, whether you're for a community church, a school, uh, a touring program. No one can use it because it's a brand-new musical. And then they change the words to it. So you got three strikes right right there. Yeah, it broke the internet last week. It broke the internet. It was... It's pretty interesting. When I was in high school, we did Les Miserables, which is a very popular musical, but the school had sure. to buy the rights. And it's like the Absolutely. school edition of Les Mis. They actually cut out certain things from the musical that you're just not allowed to do. One of those things, I think the statute of limitations has ended on it. There's like a confrontation scene between Jean Valjean and Javert. Are you familiar with the musical yep. at all? Have you seen yeah. There's a confrontation scene where it's like, Valjean, at last we see each other plain. I could I could do the whole musical right now as a solo act, but uh, you're not supposed to do that scene in the school edition. Uh, but our uh, director was like, "Listen, this is a great scene, so we're going to sneak it in here and hope nobody tells on us." <laughs> and so I'm glad we did. And uh, I still have the whole recording on DVD of that uh, musical. That was fun. That was my junior year of high school. Anyway, did Don't you do musicals? Did you put it? Are you? Um, are you musicals? No, I didn't. I didn't sing or do any of that stuff. But I did. Um, I was stage manager for a couple times oh, uh, and helped do all the the building and construction of uh, yeah. the, the sets and all that stuff. Yeah, that's a big deal. A lot of time, like you know, building Aubrey two and all that stuff from Little Shop and uh, yeah, yeah. There's that's a few cool. other few other shows in there. Listeners, if you'd like to hear a home kit musical, uh, just you know, send us the comments. We'll you know, maybe we'll we'll write Home Kitiers the musical. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Home Kitiers, the three home kitiers, uh, a medieval musical about home kit in uh, King Arthur's time. That wouldn't make any sense at all. But I think it would be a great spoof. Anyway, let's let's get to some home kit news, Andrew. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, a half hour. We're done. That's, with a, the yeah, show. That, yeah. that's the that's the show, everybody. Oh, that's what they come for, Andrew. They come they come for this intro. All right, listen, uh, the intro. Listen, uh, I, I missed some five star reviews, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jam through these real quick because we have a bunch of people leaving us five star reviews. So, buy more fan from USA. Thanks for that five star review, Jay Brian. I hope Bailey. that is a big fan of Chuck. Is what I'm hoping that is. Oh, uh, just a man. big oh, buy. Okay, yeah. buy more fan. Right, Jay Brian Bailey from USA. Username was taken. That's a pretty good username from the USA. But listen, this guy, he gave us three stars because I guess a couple episodes ago, I commented that like everyone gives five or one star. There's never anything in between. So he literally rated us three stars, but loves the show. So, all right. Touche username was taken, I, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Go back in there, change it to five stars. Thank you. Mr. Donnie from Aiton, Canada. Damon W76 from USA. He listens weekly. He says he doesn't miss an episode. That's always cool. Erez Alan from Israel, all the way international listener. Very cool. BB Brew 65 from USA. So thank you all, Home Kateers. We appreciate you listening. All right, let's get into some news. Air Versa Air Purifier. It is a home kit air purifier. We have talked about it on past episodes, but it's finally now available to purchase and you can get it. It has thread. It has home kit. It's $190 and you will put links in the show notes to, uh, to where you can get it and where we covered it. But is there also an exclusive Apple Insider discount I see here in the notes? What is that? There is. There All is, right. Stephen. Um, All right. Yeah, I was I was chatting uh, with them over there, and they gave us an exclusive 10% discount code for Apple Insider and hey. HomeKit Insider people. Look so use the promo code. It's going to be in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. But it is AI Fans 10 so AI FANS 10% off 
the new thread enabled air purifier. Very cool. Well, there you go. If you want a thread HomeKit air purifier, do that. And then also this company won like an award, right? They won the innovation enabler yeah. award. Yeah. Basically this is a thing that the thread group does to help enable startups and uh, thread tech. So the, the, the company who creates the, uh, this air purifier is called sleek point innovations and they are the latest innovation enabler award recipient. So I thought that was pretty cool. There you go. All right. Well, very cool. And if you want that, we'll put the promo code in the show notes. Thank you, uh, Air Versa, for that discount. And there you go. Another thread. Uh, get all the thread things. You know what I'm saying? Get the threads. All right. Well, we got to cover this. This was kind of big in the news. A company has started a Kickstarter. This is called Fluid One. Fluid like liquid. O-N-E, one. And this Kickstarter campaign is to launch a quote unquote revolutionary way to interact with your smart home and home kit devices. And basically what they do is we've kind of talked about this in the before, but using the U1 ultra wideband chip in your iPhone, I think the iPhone 12 and 13 both have the U1 chip and you can go back to the 11 too. I thought it said in the PR 11. Okay. I could be lying. Who knows? Well, it uses that ultra wideband chip kind of like an air tag and you can put nodes around your house. You would have to get specific nodes uh, from fluid one, put it around your house. And then you can basically point your phone towards these different nodes, whatever room you're in. And because it uses the ultra wideband chip, it's smart enough to know what room you're in, what device you're trying to point to. And you can then control your smart home using your phone, but just by pointing it. And it's basically trying to make smart home stuff more user friendly, where you don't have to think as much about what toggle do I press? What app do I go to? You know, you literally just point your phone at a thing and you control the thing. And that's the idea. I mean... I don't know. I feel like this is, I don't know if this is really a need yet. I don't know. Do you think this would actually make anything easier for people having something like this? I have a lot of feelings about this. Um, And like the first first thing, it's cool. I think it's really neat because I think it sometimes can be uh, annoying jumping into the home app and having to like find the, the correct room and then find the correct accessory. And even with the modifications in iOS 16, it can still feel a little bit tedious if it's not something that is immediately marked as one of your favorites. So the idea of just this being able to, you're sitting there on the couch, you want to control your shades. And, uh, you know, I just look over at them and point my phone and all of a sudden like the controls for the shades appear and I can drag it down and, and close them without having to think or do anything, it just kind of does it, it feels magical. That seems like a really, really great use case of that tech. But I don't know if this will get there because I think of like, you know, finding my AirTag uh, and using like that, um, that proximity sensing, whatever it is, the precision finding. Yeah, precision finding. It doesn't like work immediately, right? Your phone has to like, get its head on straight. So you have to like move it around for a second. It's like, okay, this is where I am in the room. I understand now it's that way. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm assuming because it's using the same kind of tech, your phone's going to do something similar. So you're going to open it up and you have to open their app first or a shortcut or a widget that you create. And then you have to like wiggle it around until it gets its bearing and then be able to point it at the device and then be able to control it. I don't know if that'll be as smooth, seamless and as fast as we would need for it to be like that magical experience. The second yeah. worry would be that it does seem like something no, so natural and something that Apple has already been investigating and working on so much that Apple could just straight up usurp this and come out with its own version of this somehow. Like, I don't know if yeah. Apple would release little nodes to, to stick into all of your devices, like hide them behind your shades and everything um, as yeah. Fluid One is doing, but it just seems like something Apple would be able to to do if they wanted to. Yeah, it's also super expensive. And so you would need a node for every thing you'd want to be able to point to. And so for four nodes and the smart hub that it requires to run, you're starting at 500 bucks. If you want enough nodes to cover kind of like an apartment or even a small house, eight nodes and the hub is $750. So, and this is just to control devices you already have. I mean, this is not like making anything smarter as far as like not adding any more smart devices to your home. This is just to control it. So it's really expensive. You would need a node per thing. It is cool. There's a little GIF on the Kickstarter page that we'll link in the show notes. They're like waving, you know, slowly scanning their iPhone around the room. And you can see the app changing 
to control the device that it's pointed to. Like, that's pretty cool. But also, I mean, you could almost do this now with NFC tags and you can get NFC tags like pretty inexpensively for, you know, 10 or 20 for like 15 bucks or whatever. You know, this is actually an NFC tag right here. And this little tag, you can stick to anything and create shortcut automations, even just as simple as turn this light on or off when I scan this NFC tag at the base of the light with my phone. Like you could create those right now. And for like tens of dollars instead of hundreds, it wouldn't be as cool and you couldn't do it at a distance, but I mean, it's, it's pretty similar. Now I've seen, uh, Dan Seifer from the verge. They covered this as well. He was commenting about HomePod minis, which they have a U1 ultra wideband chip. And so it's like, why can't Apple integrate some of these features into the HomePod minis, which I totally agree. It would be amazing if you could do more automations with it at the very least use that U1 chip. I think we've talked about this before, but use the U1 chip for presence sensing. Meaning if I am in this room, don't turn off the lights. If there's no one in the room, turn off the lights and using the ultra wideband chip in your iPhone and your HomePod mini to automate those things. It would be more reliable than motion. And we've talked about presence sensors before, rather than using like that, you know, super high frequency, like MM wave frequencies to see if there's presence in the room, just use the ultra wideband chip. Like it's here. Someone did tweet back at me when I mentioned that on Twitter of like, well, what if you don't have your phone with you in a room? I'm like, I don't understand the question. I, my, my phone is with me all the time. I don't, that's not a problem I have. But anyway, I understand it's not perfect, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a cool idea. It's nice to see innovation, but this does not tempt me uh, to get. So, yeah, it reminds me of that. Um, also, like, do note that like the GIF that they include looks impressive as they go between a humidifier, a light bulb, and like some nano leaf lines as they move. Like, the app is already open, and I feel like that's not the problem. It's like once it's open, it should work very fast as you as you move. But it's I feel like that activating the app and getting its bearings that are going to take a good amount of time, you know, several seconds to figure out before you can start using things. So you're trying to do something like turn off a light switch. I don't know if it'll be fast enough to be easy to use, but this reminds mm -hmm. me of that seven hugs remote that we talked about mm -hmm. that had since been right. acquired and discontinued. They had this, they already had this in that remote. They had little nodes in the box. You slipped them behind your thermostat, behind your hue bulbs, whatever. And you just pointed your remote at everything. There was no like, you know, waking up and finding stuff. Like it was just instantly on and you pointed and it worked. So I yeah. thought that was a much more practical way of doing it with a remote that yeah. didn't have to figure out its AR surroundings each time. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, RIP. We'll put a link in show notes if you're interested. If anybody else backs this Kickstarter and gets these whenever they ship, I mean, it doesn't even say like when this is expected. August 2023. We're talking a year away. A year from now is when this stuff would ship and hopefully deliver. Again, Kickstarters, you also, you remember the story about the cooler. I'm just saying. Oh, and also, they have a $100,000 goal, and they've only gotten pledged $7,000. And so, I don't know if this thing will actually fund. But, anyway, cool, cool idea, bro, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Okay. <laughs> All right, anyway, let's, let's, let's move on. We have Akara. Akara actually just announced a bunch of new products. And uh, listen, I'm, I'm liking Akara. I've been getting their water leak sensors because it's one of the most inexpensive and you can just kind of throw them everywhere and they're pretty reliable. So Akara's got some cool stuff out there. The new devices that have now been announced, not available to purchase just yet, and we're not sure which ones will come to the States, but there is an Akara bathroom heater. This is actually a like ceiling mounted fan that could heat or cool a bathroom, which is pretty wild. That would integrate with HomeKit because the Akara hubs are all HomeKit enabled. They are also developing a curtain motor, which we might have mentioned before, but they're going to have a curtain motor. Yeah, that seems and like then, a rehash there. Yeah, that's a rehash. Akara D200 lock, which is another one of these wild locks. It'll have like NFC, facial recognition, all of that. Don't know if we'll ever see one of those locks in the US, but cool, they're, they're pumping out those crazy locks. And then one of the things that looks really cool uh, to me, this last one, is the Akara S1 switch panel, which is basically a controller, kind of like you would think of the Brilliant controllers, or I don't know of another like touchscreen one right now, but it would basically be a touchscreen controller for your smart home devices. And if it worked with HomeKit, I mean, that'd be pretty cool to have like that kind of digital controller for HomeKit right there on the wall. So that one is actually pretty cool. Again, hopefully it makes it to the States, uh, but it looked cool. That's fun. 
I like the the panel always look cool, but they had one. I feel like we talked about it a year ago, and I've never yeah. seen it. It's probably in uh, overseas still in terms of like those markets. But those were really cool then, and I wish we had like a version of that come stateside. Yeah. I'm trying to remember to what hear. that original one was. I can't even find it on their website. Uh, yeah. anymore, so I don't know if it ever like fully launched. Like there's that TVOC air quality monitor, but which has like a little display. But there was, you know, an actual display that was like announced. But yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't remember know. what you're talking about. Yeah, so we'll see what comes. But they have cool stuff now. I'd like to see some new stuff come to the states, maybe the UK too. I know we got a lot of UK listeners too and Europe. All right. Uh, before we go on, we have to talk about the uh, Wemo thread dimmer. I have some follow up of my Hue Play box, which. That's, that's getting me. That's going to get me going. But but listen, before we talk about that, I want to tell you about our friends at Nebbia. Oh, my goodness. You guys know how much I love Nebbia. I mean, I got the Nebbia towels, the Nebbia quick dry earth mat, the Nebbia my bone spa shower, the Nebbia my bone quattro the shower. Nebbia tattoo on your the Nebbia back. tattoo. Oh, let me show you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I haven't gotten that yet. They haven't reached out <laughs> to say they've committed to a year. No, but listen, Nebbia, they were backed by some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley when they launched, including Tim Cook. And it was designed by Tesla and Apple engineers. Listen, it is the incredible Nebbia by Moen spa shower and the Quattro saves 45% water compared to normal shower heads, but its spray is 81% more powerful than the competition. It atomizes the water, has excellent rinseability to rinse out any shampoo or conditioner you might have, and the great thermal comfort still gets super hot. I love the adjustments you can make on the Quattro shower head and the Nebbia by Moen spa shower. You can get it with the magic wand connects this little magnetic dome in your shower that you can mount there and just use the magic wand everywhere. Comes in four colors, white and chrome, spot resistant nickel, matte black, black and chrome. Andrew, have you gotten your Nebbia tattoo yet? Uh, I didn't ask you. Did you get that yet? I have not gotten my Nebbia tattoo yet. Uh, <laughs> not, I'm on a waiting list okay. because Nebbia mm. is so popular that there is so many people trying to get these tattoos. That's true, but, that's true. You know, I at least have my Nebbia by Moen spa shower to tide me over. And their right, handy right. little shelf. I love that little uh, yes. metal shelf that they have that goes with it. You can like hang all your loofahs, the whole collection right. of loofahs. You That's can hang on this and gives you extra storage yeah. space in your shower. So you don't have That's to, right. you know, fight with your uh, wife who might have a lot more bottles than you. And you're like, I need some place to put my things. I can get this Nebbia by Moen. There are this Nebbia little metal shelf to add all my That's cool right. stuff on. That looks great. That's right. And uh, one of my favorite features is, the Nebby by Moen Spa Shower is height adjustable, which is amazing. Like you can adjust the height of the shower after you install it and my kids can lower it. My, me and my wife can raise it. So anyway, love it. You need to get it too. The Nebby by Moen Spa Shower starts at just $199. And of course, for HomeKit Insider listeners, we have a deal because nebbycom slash HomeKit and use the promo code HomeKit, all one word, at checkout, you get 10% off. All Nebbia products, the quick dry earth mat, which I absolutely love, the Nebbia towels. And listen, Nebbia doesn't do sales with other guys, but listen, with HomeKit, they got the sales going on for a long time. Anything, 10% off. Use that promo code HomeKit at nebbia.com slash HomeKit. N-E-B-I-A.com is the link. Slash HomeKit will be in the show notes as well. 10% off with code HomeKit. HomeKit. Good stuff right there. Had to, had to everyone up. Yeah. Now, I see you have here next in the notes is the Wemo Thread Dimmer. Now, I, I don't have uh, one in my personal possession yet. But we've had several listeners reach out. Tom Kane on Twitter said he got the new Wemo thread dimmer. Works well. Again, it seems that it is thread router eligible, which we had that question about. Is it a thread border router or router or just a thread node or whatever? Um, but he also said the dimmer seems very nonlinear. That means it just changes in like 20% increments maybe. And so some dimmers, you know, depends on how many increments, but I know the Lutron and Leviton switches, you know, you click up and click down and, you know, it's not like an infinite percentage dim dimmable. If you use the home app, I think you might get a little more granular control, but the switch itself, you know, usually is like five dots or whatever. And so he says, yeah, it's about 20% differences when you press the buttons and he needed something that didn't require a neutral wire or hub. And so the Wemo dimmer, Meets all those, uh, all those, uh, ticks all those boxes. So, what have you heard about the dimmer? Um, so two things. One, uh, this, they told me like two episodes ago, and I kept forgetting to throw it in and mention it. But you touch on it based on the listeners who get who 
told us faster than I could tell all of you, uh, but that is that these are router enabled. So not border routers, but these will act as thread routers in your home. So if you put a bunch of these around, you're just gonna have a really robust thread network going on, which is, which is pretty sweet. Uh, the second thing, I also had some more people email me about it, such as John, I'm not gonna try to pronounce that last name, you've got John, but uh, he says he ordered a few of those BMO dimmers, they came in, he said they were pretty easy to install, uh, he had no issues really there, he said they feel a little cheap, is how he described them, but not enough to complain about, so that's not a complaint. It's just mentioning that. Right. Um, he has a few automations set up that turn them on at certain times and set them to different brightnesses. Uh, and they've been really great. They're fast at responding. He also has a bunch of Lutrons. And right now he says between the two, if he had to pick, he would lean towards the Lutron. But he's going to see what happens with Thread. But overall, John seems pretty happy with the uh, the new Wemo dimmers. Very cool. Yeah, I'm Tended to get it. I'll wait till Amazon gives me like next day delivery and then maybe maybe I'll try it. But listeners, if you guys have been getting those dimmers, keep the feedback coming because I want to know if this is uh, worth it. I have the older Wemo dimmers that are not thread and they've been working fine. Sometimes if the power blips, they have to reconnect them. But, you know, anyway, uh, let us know. We throw a dimmer. We Wemo thread dimmer. Yeah, you got to get that pronunciation tongue twister. All right. Your next piece of note here. This is very mysterious. America's favorite new game show. What is yeah. that? I don't understand what that, what is that? What are you talking about, Andrew? What is this? Okay. Okay. So this is not specifically home kit yet, but I feel like this falls under the auspices of a, of a smart home product. And I think it's really neat, really different. And I, instead of just like talking about it, which I'm, I'm going to show it to you, I also wanted to play a game. So I have maybe, I don't know if you'll see this, Stephen, okay. or if you'll know what it is, but I have this right here. Oh my goodness. Have you what seen is this that? before? No, I don't know this, what this is. This is the Lomi. The Lomi from Pila. So Pila, they're almost like a materials company, but they create things like uh, Apple Watch bands. This right here, Stephen, okay. for Stephen to see is one of their Apple Watch bands that uh, isn't co completely like compostable whenever you're done with it, but it's a really nice huh. band. They also make iPhone cases that are pretty awesome. And I've heard okay. some cool things about their iPhone 14 cases that they're coming out with, um, but they're like eco-friendly cases. And when you're done, they just you can compost them and they break down, which is awesome. And they got some cool patterns. But they came out with this gigantic thing that I was showing you for people who are listening. It's probably roughly the size of an air fryer, I would say. Okay, yeah. And it is a countertop composter. So you can oh, put anything okay. in here and this... Fancy connected gadget will break down your stuff into usable, nutrient-rich soil to put into your gardens, your herb gardens, your vegetable gardens, anything like that. So, I thought we should play America's new favorite game show, okay, Chicken or okay. Lomi. It's Chicken or Lomi, where we decide whether you can feed it to the Lomi or you can feed it to chickens. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I okay, have very good. a list of things here and I'm going to ask you, Steven, and everyone playing at home, because you know, everyone wants to play, whether you can feed it to Lomi or you can feed it to chickens. Okay? okay. Okay. So how about your typical leftovers from dinner or lunch? Lomi or chicken? Typical leftovers. I'm going to say, oh man, this is tough. I'm going <laughs> to say chicken. I'm going to say chicken. It's both. Both. Oh, oh I, didn't both I didn't know both was an option. I didn't know both was an option. Yes, both is an option. It is okay, either okay, one, okay. both, or neither. So oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, okay. Four. Both. I would have said here. both. I'm gonna count okay, that as right. Both. both. Okay. Yeah. What about melon rinds? Uh, the lomi. Correct. You cannot give them the chicken. They probably won't eat them. What about fish bones? Either one, both, or neither. Neither. The lomi. The lomi can take soft oh, really? bones like. Fish bones, yep, and it'll break them down into soil. Ooh. What about okay, a okay. diaper? <laughs> I would say neither. Correct. You cannot yeah, put okay. a diaper in Lomi <laughs> or in your chickens. No, no, yeah, I, I think I knew that. Okay. What about eggshells? That's Lomi, for sure. It's both. What? You can give eggshells to chickens? Absolutely. They need calcium uh, to produce their eggs, and by 
Uh, some people just give them to them. Other people dry them out and grind them up into like just little pieces, like with a rolling pin, and then give them to chickens. That's good isn't, too. But yeah, they'll eat uh, eggshells. Isn't that a form of like cannibalism? That chicken chicken? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's strange. Okay. All right. Okay. What about coffee grounds? I'm tempted to say both. I know they're compostable. Probably don't want to give coffee grounds to chickens. I mean, they might make like hyper chickens. So I'm going to say loamy. Right, right, I don't want that. Yeah, want I that. would also say loamy. I would go with yeah. just the loamy. Okay, what about baby, coffee baby. filters or tea bags? <sighs> I'll say neither. Loamy will take them. Oh, Loamy wow, will okay, take those okay. filters, used filters, full <laughs> okay. of grounds, whatever. Just toss it right in. Make wow, it a compost. Okay. Um, yard or plant trimmings? Mm, yard or plant trimmings? That's got to be neither. Neither. Loamy will take them. Oh, just, my goodness. You know, you trim your little house plants or whatever. Just toss it really? into Loamy and you've got, uh, yeah, you got more compost Loamy's, to feed those plants. Loamy's eating everything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can give them to chickens too, depending on what it is. Like if it's especially like grass and clover and some other things like that, like I'll pick stuff out of the, the herb garden, the weeds and stuff, feed them to chickens. They like that stuff too. Uh, peanut okay. shells. Peanut shells. Both. Um, I would say the loamy. I don't think the chickens would eat the shells, no? but uh loamy will. Eat wait a minute. Wait shells. a minute. So they can eat eggshells, but not peanut shells. I mean, that's what's it, in that's, a peanut shell? It, it just seems like it's bark. There's some inconsistency there. I don't know. I, I would. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Keep going. Maybe you can. Someone's going to correct me on that, but I would not I eat know, peanut I shells. I feel like there's nothing there. I feel like it's just dried yeah. stuff. It's not even like green. Okay. okay. What about okay. cigarettes? Do chickens like cigarettes? Does Lomi like cigarettes? Oh man. Lomi's been eating everything. I would, <laughs> I'd love some fan art of a chicken with a cigarette, but I'm going to say... <laughs> I'm going to say neither. Correct. Neither okay, one. Because <laughs> then they'll yeah. get addicted and you don't want your Lomi or your chickens addicted right. to cigarettes. Yeah, that's pass. Right. What about yeah. meat scraps? Meat scraps. Oh, that's probably both, right? So definitely Lomi. Chickens, yeah. it basically has an asterisk because you don't want to give them deli meats just because of the preservatives and extra salt. And mm. you don't want to give uh, raw meat to chickens. But raw meat, sure. cooked meat, all of it is good with uh, the low meat. Also, don't want to give Wait. high fat stuff to chickens. Did, can you feed chicken to chicken? I, I, you probably can. I mean, they're carnivores. I don't know if they would know. I feel like this gets into a gray area. Of <laughs> they look up at you and say, morally Bruh. okay. Really? Like, I know you're already going to eat me. Why you got to make me eat them? You know? Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I also had uh, like sweets on here. You really shouldn't give like sweets to chickens just because the extra sugar can make sure, them add sure. unnecessary weight. But sure, toss that into Lomi. Good to go. But I just think this thing is so cool. It's a little expensive. And I think it's mainly for like um, people like a city who want to be able to be eco-friendly, cut down on their waste, uh, and be able to get that compost out of there. People who are like more in the country area, like where, where we are, obviously I have chickens that can handle a lot of this stuff. But as we went through this list, there's a lot of things that Lomi will take that the chickens won't. So it isn't small, but I think it's crazy cool. I mean, you could, it'll turn stuff into compost in a matter of hours. And you That's can cool. even break down like phone cases and stuff in here. Like you toss that, these, these Pila bands, or a Lomi case or a Pila case wow. into this thing or any of the other uh, biocompostable cases and you'll get dirt in a day. So I think that's pretty that's awesome. Cool. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's that's a fun little cool. gadget. Right. It does seem like it needs more like you need like an app to control this thing. Like there isn't one right mm -hmm. now. It's all just button based and sometimes you don't need an app, but I feel like I would like to see like get an alert when the Lomi is done, how it's doing in the process, sure. stuff like that. So I could see an app being a little helpful for this thing. <laughs> But yeah. Yeah. What do okay. you think? That's cool. Now, uh, to be clear, I mean, this is not HomeKit, right? Like, this is not HomeKit anymore. Yeah, right now, like, I, I've talked to them, and they did talk about possibly some smart home integrations in the future, but nothing's been announced official, anything like that. And, you know, who knows where things stand. But they've been selling these things out. Like, they're fairly expensive, but they've been selling these things out, mainly because it's so revolutionary to be able to have a countertop composter that takes your food and turns it into usable compost in a day that's it's amazing nuts. how and so how often do you would you have to empty it 
So it has just... the top comes off, and there's like a bowl, bowl inside right. here. Awkward to do on camera with only two arms. Why don't I have more than two arms? <laughs> <laughs> we have this bowl. So you would fill it up basically as much as you can. They say like three-fourths full. Fill this thing up. And there's a little like grinder in there. You can kind of mm. see it's there between focusing and lighting. There's like a, it's not sharp or anything, but a little grinder that spins around and heats things up. And there's like these little pellets that you kind of put in that help the, the stuff break down. So you would basically empty it every time that you use it. So if you okay. ran this however often, fill it up as much as you can, turn it on and then dump it out. Like, so the longest cycle is 24 hours for, um, I think like the, the most broken down mode, but I think there's like a version that's like six or eight hours long, maybe for okay. quick stuff. So if you have a, just a good collection of food scraps, just really basic stuff, it'll break down faster. If you have things like peanut shells that are, and other things that are a little bit more robust, it'll take longer. You put, you know, your, your bioplastics that are Lomi approved or anything like that. These would take like a full 24 hours to break down. But yeah, you're going from, from this to soil in a day. Okay. That's cool. So yeah, I just did a search cause I have not ever researched composter composters, you know, in home composters. <laughs> But it looks like the Lomi is actually on a lot of lists of like best uh, food composters. So it's on this like Wired article is featured. So it's pretty cool. I um I don't know. I might consider this because composting is a pain in the neck, and I don't we don't do a ton of it. No, I hate it. No, it's the worst. You have to stir but, it, and it gets hot and smelly, and yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, but but this, I mean, you just dump out some dirt. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, that, that's curious. So and I'm trying to think. Notes. They did this um. They did this on Indiegogo, I think, or maybe it was, um, maybe it was Kickstarter. But their Indiegogo campaign, Stephen, how much do you think it raised? Without looking, how much do you think it raised? Two hundred thousand dollars. Oh, Stephen. What? Seven point two million. What? <laughs> Seven point two million. Yikes. Okay, that's serious. That's a lot of money. A lot of compost. A out lot there, of money. I guess. Yeah, this is okay. incredible. It's so cool. That is cool. Well, link in show notes to Pela.Earth, P-E-L-A dot Earth. And uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty cool device. All right, well, uh, I'd like to talk about a, a not as cool device. Andrew, <clears throat> listen, <laughs> last week I talked about my Hue Play sync box, my Hue Gradient Light Strip, trying to work it out with the whole entertainment center. Got a, a lot of people wrote in. They said, mine works fine. No problem. It's great. Well, that's wonderful. What I've found is that most people using it are not going through a receiver. Then most people are using it Apple TV into Hue SyncBox, SyncBox to their TV, and that's it. Like that's the whole chain. You can use the other inputs on the Hue SyncBox, of course. So fine. So I will say I talked last week about automatically turning on and syncing. There is a setting for that, by the way, if you do get a sync box working consistently and it's great, there are settings where you can have it start syncing whenever an input is detected. So you could just turn on your Apple TV and the lights will just sync after a few seconds. You don't have to jump into the app. So that's pretty nice. Doesn't have a turn off automatically feature. So a lot of times I would turn off my Apple TV and the lights would just be like really dim in the background and I would have to go in and turn off. You can put a shortcut in there to turn it off and all that. But anyway, so after all that feedback, I was like, all right, well, let me try it again. I probably spent like two hours playing around with this thing. What I have found is number one, disabling Dolby Vision on the Apple TV uh, really helped the entire process, even through the receiver. So if I just turned off Dolby Vision, everything was easier. It synced automatically. It was consistent, totally fine. Like it was way better without Dolby Vision. Now I had listeners write in and say, oh, I use Dolby Vision all the time. It's perfectly fine. So I have not been able to get it to work with that. Um, I don't know if maybe it's my receiver. My receiver is a little older. It is like 4K HDR Dolby Vision enabled. It has AirPlay 2, but it's not the newest Denon receiver. So it could be my receiver. That's fine. But then something horrible happened. I don't know what caused this, but in the midst of testing it, for some reason, I enabled Dolby Vision on the Apple TV during my testing with the Hue Sync box, 
And the TV, which is a TCL television 65 inch with five series with Dolby Vision, it somehow turned on the like true motion setting and I could not turn it off. For whatever reason, uh, Dolby Vision, a lot of times when Dolby Vision is enabled, TV settings will automatically change like brightness, color, and all that because Dolby Vision takes over and adjusts the TV to what Dolby Vision thinks is the best. And for some reason, it was not doing this before, but anytime I enable Dolby Vision now, the TV's motion clarity, which is the, the setting on my the TCL TV, enables and I cannot disable it. I can go to the menu. I can literally toggle it off, look multiple times. It's it's toggled off. I'll go back to at, at my Apple TV, play a scene from Infinity War, and like I, I have to gouge my eyes out because it's just motion smoothing everywhere. It is terrible. Uh, whoever invented motion smoothing, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I don't know. Just, I don't know. But anyway, and now I can't fix it. I've removed the Hue sync box from the chain. So now it's just Apple TV to receiver to TV like it was before, before I introduced the sync box at all. And anytime I enable Dolby Vision, motion smoothing comes on and I cannot turn it off. I've looked at Reddit threads. I've looked at discussion boards. I've reset my TV and my Apple TV multiple times, reset it over and over again. I've tried every picture setting on the TV, movie, HDR, low power. I've tried all of the settings. And for our listeners, if you want to try and help, it is the Google TV edition of the 5 Series 65-inch TCL television. I cannot get motion smoothing to turn off and have Dolby Vision on. I've found a compromise, which is I can leave the Apple TV in 4K HDR 422 mode, and that mode doesn't adjust any TV settings automatically, and I can watch it in HDR, and there's no motion smoothing, but as soon as I enable Dolby Vision now, motion smoothing, it turns on. I, I don't know if I should blame the Hue Sync box, but I'm not using it. <laughs> I've removed it from my entertainment center and because it doesn't work with Dolby Vision and it was just, I don't know, it just caused issues. Again, it might just be my receiver. I haven't decided if I'm going to return it yet or if I'm going to keep it and maybe a year or so down the road, try a different TV, try if there's a software update to the Hue Sync box, maybe I'll, I'll update it and see if the update helps. But now... Uh, it is my my entertainment system is irreparably damaged because I cannot use Dolby Vision anymore because motion smoothing turns on. I don't know what happened. So thank you, listeners, to to reached out. There are apparently if you don't use a receiver, maybe it works better with Dolby Vision and your 4K Apple TV. But from what I have found, I just could not get it to work. I would upgrade my receiver, but that's like a thousand dollar proposition, and I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. I also don't know what a good HomeKit receiver might be. There's an uh, updated Denon model that supposedly has HomeKit. It's like $1,000, and I'm just not ready for that. But uh, if anybody out there has recommendations for receivers that support Dolby Vision and HomeKit, that's a very small, like, <laughs> a narrow uh, product line or category, but I would love to hear it if you have suggestions, listeners. So, anyway, that's my horror story, Andrew. Motion smoothing. Bane of my existence. I don't know what to do about it. It's just on. Anyway, that's that. But you, but you, like, you're one of, you're like our listeners. You use the Hue Sync box with Dolby Vision enabled and you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's nodding his head for, for our listeners. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, but no receiver. You don't use a home theater receiver. See, nope. that's the thing. That's the thing. If you have a receiver in, in between that chain, and I tried it both places, I tried the Sync box. In between the Apple TV and the receiver, so the sync box was just connected to the Apple TV, and I tried it between the receiver and the television. So basically, anything that went through the receiver into the sync box would then be synced, and I, you know, didn't have to change any inputs on the sync box or anything. Tried both, both times Dolby Vision didn't work. So anyway, that is my tale of woe. I'm I'm done with the sync box for now until there's an update. It's hard to tell. Or, that sounds yeah. like it's to me. These sounds like your TV issues my versus. Bad your Apple TV or your sync box. Like that sounds entirely based around the TV and it's coming from 
not to like slander your your TV, but TCLs used to be a really bad brand, budget brand for TVs, and they have gotten a lot better since then. But I don't know because I haven't I haven't used them in a few years. But I don't know if like maybe their hardware has caught up, like because now they do have a better picture quality and everything like that than they used to. But maybe their yeah. software is still behind, so maybe you'll get a software update for your TV that would fix some of these because yeah. that seems weird. That seems terrible. I would not, I could not watch a TV with motion smoothing I, enabled. I know. I, listen, oh. I know. And I I went to the reviews because I was not buying an OLED TV for $3,000. I was trying to get a budget TV. The TCL was one of the few sub $1,000 TVs that was 4K HDR Dolby Vision. There was two models. There's like a Google TV model and then a Roku model that you can get the exact mm-hmm. same TV, but just different software. Obviously I regret it. I would, would have gotten the Roku now to see if that was any better, but I'm past the return window now because it worked fine yeah. for over a month. So I'm past the 30 days. And as you, as listeners know, I already returned my first TV. So anyway, keep the suggestions coming. Tweet at me. If you have any suggestions, maybe if there's especially software for the TV, I, I mean, I've already tried a factory reset it, but I don't know if there's something weird I need to do. Let me know. But anyway, talk to me. You, you have right here the Lutron Serena Shades review. You get some new shades, Andrew? What's going on here? I got some new shades, Stephen. All right. And all right, I was I, like I was trying to review these later, like when we got the baby room, like all like cute and put together, and you'd see like all the all the cool things we put in the baby room. But uh, time doesn't work like that, and I'm reviewing these now. So we have a half-finished baby room that we have in like the review article and the review video that you guys can go check out. All that's live uh, by the time that we're you're listening to this podcast. But yeah, so let's talk about these shades. So the specific ones that I'm looking at, uh, the Serena shades, they're created by Lutron. They work with the Caseta Smart Bridge. There are three different versions, um, basically three different types. You can get roller shades which I do have in the living room. There are like the wood slat versions, which fairly recently got updated support home kit. And then there are the new honeycomb. There's like the architecture honeycomb and the standard honeycomb. And that is what I was testing. Um, I added them to two rooms in our home. I added a large one in our basement that we're working on finishing to cover a set of like sliding doors and then uh, put one in the baby room because we wouldn't be able to control the light in there. So we switched out like the filtering ones we had before for some of the new architectural honeycomb shades uh, from Serena Shades by Lutron that are the full blackout versions because they just before they were letting light in. But I feel like with the baby, you want to make sure it can be dark if they're yeah. supposed to be sleeping. So yes. we have these new blackout versions of the shades. Uh, all of the Serena Shades can be mounted Inside the frame, which is what I did, you can mount it to your window frame or above your window frame, any of those. And you can have a professional do the installation. I did it myself. Um, they were very easy to do. You had to drill a few like pilot holes based on where they uh, recommended your clips would go. And then you just had to screw them into your frame. It was very easy to do. I even did the six foot wide one by myself and I didn't have any issues at all through any of that. They, uh, in our, my case, they are the wireless versions that are just battery powered. So they run on D batteries, depending on how large your shades are, will determine how many batteries you need to stuff inside of it. Um, but they will last a ridiculously long time on these batteries. My roller shades, I'm pretty sure I installed when we moved into the house and it's been like three years and I don't think I've ever replaced the batteries on them. I'm pretty sure we still have the original batteries on my Serena Lutron shades. Wow. So that's okay. pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so batteries are in there, very easy to install. There's a tiny little button that's kind of hidden on them that you can use to uh, putting into pairing mode and stuff like that. You push these two little, in my case, like there's two little levers on the smaller one where it just drops down and you can access the batteries, put new ones in, and it just closes right back up. So it's very easy to access and change those batteries when you need to. And there are a ton of different uh, material options available. So there's filtering and blackout versions. There's a bunch of different colors and a bunch of different styles. Ours are like a dark blue and they're a little bit heathered. 
So they're not like a perfectly solid color. I really like them. They look great. And yeah, other than that, they work exceptionally well. I paired them to the Lutron app, my Lutron app, because I already have Lutron smart plugs and switches and another set of shades. It's already added into HomeKit, so I didn't have to do anything. I literally just paired the new shades with the Lutron app, and they were immediately available inside of HomeKit. In HomeKit, you can control them just like any other stuff. So you can open and close them, control them with Siri, tie them into automations and scenes, so you can have them close when you leave and open when you come home. That way your dogs can see you and say hi from the window as you approach. Uh, you could also have them set to like a good morning and good night scene. Here in the studio, I always automate my shades because I have like a, um, a filming scene that closes the shades to block out external light. And when it's a workday scene, I turn on all the lights and open up the shades. So you can set them into any automation and stuff like that that you want to do. They do have physical controls. Faith, my wife, she loves to have a physical control. She'll use Siri, especially as like, we're moving around the house and she's like cleaning or something. But there are those times where you want those physical controls, especially if you have miniature humans that may be not able to correctly communicate with a voice assistant. Uh, physical controls, super helpful because they can just poke a button and open and close things. You can do it that way. Guests as well, they can open and close shades without having to worry about your voice commands, what you named your front window, all of that stuff. So yeah, they're super responsive, very responsive. We like the Pico remotes. You can tie them to other remotes too. So if you do have like a Eve button, Wemo stage controller, you can use those to create scenes and open and close to certain levels. But yeah, do you have any questions, Steven, on the Serena Shades by Lutron? No, I mean, as far as features of like setting the, the bottom setting you know so it doesn't hit the windowsill pretty similar to all the mm -hmm. eve to the eve motion blinds and all that i mean listen yep yeah go ahead no Talk i was saying it's just like that once you add it to yeah. the lutron app it, you have the max and the min settings that you can program and the pico remotes have a built-in favorite button right in the center so like our That's baby cool. room there's like a certain percentage that we like i tie it to that and then you hit it and it drops directly to that level and stops so i mm -hmm. like that you have like a, a shortcut button even on their pico remotes versus the ones you can create whatever you want on the home kit one I do like that Pico remote idea because the Eve motion blinds, I mean, you can pull the little lever and of course you can do home scenes and from the home app, but having a little Pico remote would be pretty nice. I have to say. Um, it is nice because you have the, you have, so there's like five buttons on the Pico remote. There's all the way open, all the way close, move up, move down and favorite. And while I do like in my bedroom, I have the Eve ones and I tie those to the, the Wemo stage. So I have like, open, close, and like a favorite, but I don't have that granular control of like, I want to move it up a little bit or Faith wants to move it down a little bit. You can't do that unless you're using the app, your voice, or the physical pool. So with yeah. these Pico remotes, they're made for shades and you have directly an up and a down arrow so you can granularly adjust them to exactly what you want. That's pretty cool. Listen, I have Lutron switches for all my fans and some of the dimmers. So reliable. I mean... I already know they're super reliable, but I assume that they're that's rock been, solid. Yeah. Yeah. Rock, yeah exactly. Absolutely. They're rock solid. And as far as, um, like latency between hitting a Pico remote to the blinds, actually moving, like what's that delay? Like there's about a half a second delay and it's not even like a delay in the communications, but it's just like a, a starting or for like the motor to like start moving before you see this stuff starting to move. Um, but it, it's very, very small. They're, it's pretty responsive to when you're controlling yeah. things as soon as that command is sent. And because it does, so it requires that bridge to control, it's not reliant on anything else. You don't have to share your Wi-Fi network or your Wi-Fi credentials to add this to your home network, which we just talked about that like last week where Ring and Amazon knows the name of your Wi-Fi network and your network passwords and stuff. They're not sharing any of that with Lutron. It's all there locally. If your Wi-Fi network and stuff goes down, doesn't matter. These are still going to work. You can still use the remotes. The remotes can be paired directly to the shades or through the bridge. So you're always going to have control for these. And I think that's extremely important for a lot of stuff in your home. So I, I like that a lot. Yeah, that's very cool. I think the next smart shades I get will probably be the Lutron Serena. I love the Eve motion blinds. They've been great, pretty solid, but it does take a few seconds for it to start going up and down after I do a command, even if it's directly in the home app. Um, 
I don't know. I do like them. They're they're great. They've been super solid. But man, those Lutron Serena, just Lutron overall. They they're great. Lutron sponsor this sponsor this episode. Sponsor this show. I mean, come on. We we've talked so good, so much about their reliability. It's so good. We talked so good. I talk so good. <laughs> Talk so good. I need to get a drink. All right. Well, uh, very cool. Links to all of that, of course, in the show notes. One last uh, listener question. And before we go, this is from Sep Mare on Twitter. He's looking for a HomeKit Secure video compatible doorbell, but was hoping that it worked with an existing intercom system, not a traditional doorbell or chime. And looking for some time, hasn't found any. I tweeted back at Sep Mare like, the Logitech Circle View doorbell and Natatmo one, which are two of the few HomeKit secure video doorbells you can get, they do work with physical and digital chimes. I actually connected my Circle View doorbell to a physical chime, like old school, like rods or whatever that that ring, and that works great. But I do not think it would work with an intercom system. It definitely wouldn't work for like speaking back and forth. I don't even know about like at least chiming to make a sound. I'm not sure. There's a a page that talks about all the different connections you can do for the Logitech Circle View doorbell camera and chimes. But I would also recommend uh, HomePods because you can have HomePods ring whenever someone, uh, you know, rings your actual doorbell. You can't talk back through a HomePod as far as I know. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew. If you want to talk back, you have to use the app on your phone, Mac, or iPad. But yeah, is that all sound copacetic? Yeah, I don't think there's anything that integrates with an intercom system. The only, like, there's intercom using, like, your home pods and stuff like that. But otherwise, you have to go through the home app or the, even the notification that pops up. Like, even on your watch, you can have two-way communications. But it's all routed that way, not through the intercom system in your house or anything like that. Yeah. So, sorry, Sip Mayor, but uh, HomePod, you know, it would be cool if you could talk back through the HomePod. Because you can intercom through a HomePod. You could say intercom a certain room and you can do that, but but not through the doorbell just yet. That would be a, a cool feature. So anyway, listeners, tweet at us. Andrew and I's Twitter handles are in the show notes. I would still love to hear recommendations to fixing the motion smoothing on my TV. <laughs> I need help there. I don't know if there is hope, uh, but I need help there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can watch us at youtube.com slash HomeKit Insider. And of course, leave us a five-star rating and review. Give a shout out at the top of the show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.